Welcome to the SEO Rant. I am your host, Morty Overstreet. You might be better as Wix's head of SEO branding, but I will remind you that this podcast has absolutely nothing to do with that. This is pure, unofficial Morty magic and Morty mania. Where can you find the SEO Rant? You're listening right now. You've already found it. This is redundant. But for the sake of clarity, you can find it at the SEORant.com. You can find us on Twitter at SEORant, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, wherever podcasts are found. We are there. When does the SEO when does the SEO rant come out? I still have a cold. When does the SEO rant come out? It comes out on Thursdays. Usually I don't do this as my full time job. I don't do this as my part time job. I don't do this as any kind of job. If I have time, I do an episode. I usually do make myself have the time. Um, so weekly on Thursdays, though, it does make sense to subscribe because every once in a while I won't put out an episode this week for your listening pleasure. He is a self-described SEO engineer. He's like Scotty. For SEO, he's an SEO <laughs> engineer. Uh, <laughs> you, his Colt Sliva. How are you, man? Uh, Sliva for Sliva. the record. Oh, like Although it. to be honest, you know, I would have botched that introduction about six more times than you. I'm pretty blown away that you got through it like that. No, I'm really sorry about that. I should have got your name right. That's like, yeah, you it's know. Like, I even looked you up. I'm like doing research. Like, oh, you like pole vaulting back in college? Like, I got that. Oh my part right. god. Yeah, no, I'm good. You went too deep. Too, too deep, Marty. But I couldn't get the freaking name right. That's okay. No one does. It's a lifelong struggle. <laughs> Should be your worst problem, really. Um, so what's going on, man? Nice to finally. It's nice to finally have a conversation with you. I've seen you out there in the Twitterverse. I've seen you being interviewed by everybody, including the fame. Um, uh, you had like a three-parter with Barry Schwartz. Dude, I had a lot to talk about. Also, Barry is a great interviewer as well. He took he could talk about three times faster than I could. Yeah. I thought it was sped up until I got to my part. And I was like, oh, no, I'm just a <laughs> slow talker. It's, awesome. it's so true. Nice. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not Barry. I could talk fast, though, but Barry's really fast. Yeah. What a gem is it? Barry is a gem. Barry, you're a gem of human being. If you're listening to this, which you're probably not. Um, although there was, I once dropped a, like a Barry reference on edge of the web and all of a sudden on uh, Twitter, I see a comment about it. I'm like, Oh, he is listening. Barry's like, gotta, omniscient. he's got to poke out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like somehow he's got like minions of people listening out for mentions of his name about something. Any, any, uh, data that gets passed through Alexa also goes into his office, <laughs> you know, or Google home or whatever. Ba- I wonder, like, how many devices he has. Like, he has the Google Home, the small, the Echo. That he's got interesting. Like, he probably has like a million devices. Well, if you go into his office, there's just like 600 boxes. Yeah, the boxes, with all sorts of gadgets that the he's boxes. collected over the years. I know the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love Barry. Okay, today though, we're not talking about Barry Schwartz. This is not a podcast about Barry Schwartz. If you want that, check out the Edge of the Web News, where basically every article we cover is from Barry Schwartz. Um, this podcast is about EAT. It's not a metric. It's a classification. How the search quality guidelines are an instruction book on how to train a machine learning model. That was a mouthful, Colt. I, I'm going to try to boil this down so that way I don't get technical with it. But um, yeah, basically, if you remember, Google had done something called Quick Draw back in 2016. And it was this little thing where you could draw and then they would try to have their machine learning models guess mm-hmm. what you were drawing. And they ended up collecting like thousands, millions of drawings of different things, you know, baseballs. And some people would draw a baseball bat and some people would draw a, a baseball. And then the whole point of that was to say, can we scale 
uh, machine learning models with user generated content. And right. then, you know, the search quality rater guidelines came out and it was this big instruction book to take people, basically user generated content and have them scan through websites. And then they could rate those websites on a scale of, you know, one to five, a numerical system, which then a computer could take and say, okay, here's what I see on the website. Here's how a human would rate it. I'm going to try to rate it like that also. Mm -hmm. So at that point, it was like, oh, we have a classification system, you know, exactly like trying to say, does this look like a baseball? It's, does this website look like a good website? Right, right. So that's, that's sort of the thesis that I'm going with today. Good. Is that, that sounds really good to me. But okay, so where do you want to start with this? Okay, should we start with what is EAT? How does EAT impact your SEO? Is EAT part of the algorithm? Right. So that is another thing. What is, I mean, we could just start with what is the algorithm because it's yeah, really let's start with like, that. Let's, let's <laughs> it's really that. layers and layers of algorithms. And yeah. some of them are just raw numbers based. Like we had the core web vitals come out where it's just mm -hmm. like, is your website fast or slow? And then we have EAT where it's like, is it really an algorithm? We have no idea what it's doing. Right. But they're somehow scoring us on expertise, authority, and trust. Right. Which, by the way, I find this funny that like, this is a thing like, you know, EAT is not, it's not part of the algorithm. Well, yeah, technically speaking, the EAT described in the evaluators guidelines is not part of the algorithm. But if you go to how Google describes how search works, it says they try to use signals to try to mimic what you would expect to see on a quality website. Right. So it's like, where are those signals coming from? And I think right. they're really sort of cheating us with some, some sneaky language. So okay. a lot of the times what I'm doing is I'm, I actually literally have the house search works page open right now because um, that's where they talk about the work that they're doing in like really broad terms, how many tests they're running. And uh, I think that what they're doing is they're pulling this, they're, they're classifying, they're creating data. So it's not necessarily a part of their algorithm per se, but it's a part of their process to, to place websites into categories. Okay. And yeah, the profi profiling be, websites. Yeah. They're yeah. profiling. Yeah. 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 100%. Um, and then maybe that data gets run through the 600,000 tests that they run a year. Mm -hmm. Right. But maybe that's not a part of their actual algorithm. So. Right. I think there's some sneaky language going on there. Yeah. I mean, the, it's like, like, you know, even when they talk about like EAT, like one, at one point Gary said like EAT is just links. Right. And then you have Danny coming out saying, well, no, it, it's, you know, we try to, you know, construct a quantitative measurement of it through various metrics that simulate how a person might assess quality. Like that's all right. you really hear. Like, like, like someone asked me the other day, like, how are they actually doing this? Like they take a look at, forget like a whole site and a whole page for a second. You have mm -hmm. a paragraph of content. And one, they're, they're both of them, let's say, assume like they're not thin. Right. Both of them are, are good. One of them is like really detailed and really nuanced and really specific. And mm -hmm. the other one is just like good content. Or not bad content. Let's not call it good content. Not bad content. How does Google know the difference between the, the quality of, the, of two, of the, of the two of them? Oh, well, that's a separate topic. <laughs> I, th but, I would put that down to uh, 
diversity. So when they're looking at like entities and text, they want diverse entities. So if you're talking about more than the other category or the other paragraph, yeah, I think so that's I think, the winner. I think that also, I think that I, I'm wondering, I'm speculating at this point, if you're writing like basic information that you're not qualifying in any way, the writing mm. structure is completely different, right? You're just making point, 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 point. Okay, but if you're if you're writing what I'll call nuanced content, where you're 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 making a statement, supporting it, making a statement, supporting it, it's a totally different writing format. Sure. Yeah. So I speculate that they're able to profile the the content that way. Like, okay, like the format here is like very straightforward, linear content, not quality or not of the greatest quality. This content is statement support, statement support, statement support. And then the whole writing structure is completely different. This profile, they're just profiling content for quality that way. I theorize. You I have could, no proof. You could definitely do that with machine learning. Yeah. As, that's the whole as, point. You could do the machine you know, learning. Take here's what scored as good quality content. Here's what scored as poor quality content to just a human. It, it has no idea what the content actually is, but it's like, well, no, right. this nuanced uh, portion is more like the good quality one. Right, exactly. Yep. The other part of that is like, is it actually links? So, you know, <laughs> they in the EAT guideline or the search quality guidelines, they tell you to do like a site colon search for reviews to go check back through your reviews. So that way other sites are referencing, you know, they might not even directly link to you, but they might be referencing your business and scoring it. And then so that gets folded in as part of, is this classified as a good or bad website? Right. And that's another thing where it's like, it's not exactly numerical. It's just user-generated content somewhere. Yeah, like they, that's the whole thing I think people don't realize. Like you have to start somewhere. You're dealing with a machine. So it's it's simulating what you would do, but it's all, again, there's a schism because it's quantitative. What you're doing is qualitative. And there has to right. be like a starting base that they have to construct. And then once, they, once, you, once they have that starting place pretty much solid, then it's just a matter of profiling and comparing, does this match? Like you could do this really easily, right? If you went, if you like Googled content for, I don't know, like how not to have a heart attack and you got some really great content from, I don't know, like the Mayo Clinic. It's like there, boom, you have, you know, this is good. You know, it's the Mayo Clinic. Now let's compare this to what somebody else is doing on page 10. That doesn't seem to align. Right. Yeah. So the solution is, of course, to copy the Mayo Clinic, right, Morty? Yeah, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. 100%. <laughs> By the way, just don't take whoever is in the first position and like <laughs> just make a near duplicate. Just know, like, not... right? Don't call it heart attack, heart attacks, plural. <laughs> like yeah, their song text, goes bump bump bump, spinning, but a bump bump. My song goes bump bump, but a bump bump. It's that little <laughs> at the end of it. To quote Vanilla Ice. Oh, no. Now we're getting into like uh, music copywriting. Right. You know, where it has to be like 80% different for it to legally be different enough for you not to get sued. That's great. And then the court has to figure out if it's actually 80% different. I love that. There was like a case with like, the Red Hot Chili Peppers and like, like Tom Petty. Mm -hmm. And like they're exactly. in court battling out. The best is John Fogarty got sued for his own song. We're now we're down like <laughs> total wormhole. Like, he was with Credence and he wrote a song solo. But there are other different licenses and different uh, labels, so they suit each other. But yeah, but the same damn guy. honestly, 
that is sort of a lot of what's happening with like canonicalization or what is the, you know, truest piece of content? How do we rank something? You can even, you know, affect your own content. You can cannibalize your own content. Yeah. Uh, if you're copying yourself too much. <laughs> which, which or you could be a new syndicate and be like, oh, my God, I broke this story. But now ABC News is ranking instead of me. Yes, that's a huge problem. Yeah, and that's a big problem. And uh, talking to a lot of SEOs, it's not fixed at all. No, not a great they have no intention of fixing it either. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but syndi- syndication pays. So it's yeah, it's a uh... right. That's the uh, like that's the uh, that's the flip side to it. Like, do you want to rank or do you want to get paid? <laughs> yes. Well, sometimes oh, ranking can make you get paid, but it's, that's a whole different conversation. How do we bring us back to EAT now? By the way, I have no idea. I have no idea either. Um, I think so. I think talking about algorithms again, like what really is an algorithm or like what is an algorithm in the sort of machine learning landscape? Because at this point, I don't think Google really knows what their algorithm looks like anymore. It's so many layers of stuff and so much machine learning. And there's so many variables that they'll like tweak a little something and then something that they didn't touch a mile away gets affected. Like there's just a butterfly effect that they can't predict. I mean, they've said that, right? They we John, mm-hmm. John or whoever it was said we have no idea. Like we don't. I can't tell you because I we don't we don't know. <laughs> it's just a magic <laughs> box. We just AB <laughs> test against it. No, like they're you, in the same boat we are. You see it, right? You see that's why you have all these like baby algos. By the way, like oh algorithm, that everyone freak out. It's just a revert. They they did something. It had a consequence. They're either trying to pull it back or they're trying to recalibrate or they're trying to test it or they're trying to test something in, uh, the, for the first time and they pull it back. There's a lot of testing and there's a lot of back and forth until they make like a real serious change. Hence a core update. And, and there's a lot of reversals back and forth, back and forth. Like rank is way more volatile than it's been in a long time. And it's yes, not because it, this past year was wild off the off the hook. But the the general if the just a, you know, insider data from SEMrush, the um, the standard deviation is lower than it used to be. Okay, I didn't know why? that. Yeah, but T-I-L. why? Because the base is just higher. Like you're you're already you're already at a at a point of like volatility as a, as your baseline that's already high. So yeah, you're not going to go higher. You're going to go high because you're already starting off at a high level of volatility. Right. So as opposed to like where you're at, like okay, things are pretty stable. Update comes around, bang, huge spike. You're already mm-hmm. seeing huge spikes. So, like, what's one more huge spike? <laughs> that goes back to the 600,000 AB tests that they've run. Right. And, and then they're making 4,500 changes in the past year that were actually successful tests. That's awesome. That is less than a 1% success rate. And that's still, like, still. by the math, that's 12 changes a day. That's <laughs> crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Like at no point are they going to, this is why they had algorithm updates. And they're like, sorry, we should have warned you guys. We just didn't know it was going to be this big. I remember that one. Like, yeah, we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I think for the whole thing with like the run, they, they ran one around Black Friday, then another one around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. I don't think they did that necessarily on purpose. I think like this is just, it's time for update. Like you, the, the change oil sign went on from the machine learning, like time to recalibrate. Mm-hmm. And boom. I also think it's um, maybe they have. So the, the way that they crawl the web, it's basically infinite, right? You could visit a page and then that page will have been changed in the next 10 minutes. And so they have to expect to visit it again. 
So right. with that, crawling the open web is a huge problem. And yeah. they might just re-kick off giant processes like quarterly, which is why we get these like big June or December algorithm updates like on a T. Yeah. Because it could yeah. just be crawl processes that are sort of there you go. resetting as they retackle the open web. They say, we're going to start at Wikipedia again. We're going to start at the big news sites. And then we're going to spread from there. See, I'm curious what happened back in June, July of uh, 2021, because they split that update into two. Something went wrong. And I want to yes. know what that thing was. Like, what was the thing that went wrong? They, they called it like a rolling update where they, yeah. Yeah, like we changed our process. I don't know. They, they had some, like Danny had some kind of like, you know, political statement about why it's being split. It wasn't ready. Like it's some kind of like it's a carrot muffin. Like it wasn't ready. You had to put it back in a little longer. Would you say <laughs> Would you say that they are much more scheduled now? They were on a really nice routine. It was March summer like august end mm -hmm. of fall beginning of winter and then covid screwed the whole thing up see i think we're now on a december late june yes yeah, so now right now we're on a late november early december roll like yes. they had the december 2020 update and they had the november 2021 update yeah exactly i'm curious when the next i think you'll see another one in the summer again they they did passage ranking i think in february right. so I wonder if that team schedule might be like, that's when mom is going to come and when they're gonna, going to try to really start featuring text, image, video as like a blanket. Right. Anything is searchable. Right. And then you have um, the product review update. So you had your second one just in December, the first one back in April. So then we're looking at another one around the, you know, springtime again. But again, oh. if they're doing 12 a day, like <laughs> statistically it's, Literally any day now. <laughs> it's just like, I, I don't even know. It's like funny because you can take a look at it and try to like figure out, okay, what's going on with this update? Like, what is it going after? What do they, what do they change? What are they able to do now that they couldn't do before? Well, let's say they go, okay, the web has changed. We want to reintroduce the search quality rater guidelines. And then they have people re-review that gets rolled out. Maybe they target a specific industry, right? So like that was originally called the medic right. update yep. by Barry because it was all, you know, like Mayo Clinic type sites. <clears throat> it was, that was nuts because you had so many of these crappy sites or even good sites. Remember there's, um, what's it? Oh, Lance Armstrong, Livestrong.com. Yes. So they got hit. They were, they were running like these like giant hero ads all over the place. Mm -hmm. And they just got clobbered. All these sites <laughs> that were doing that got good. This is like Dr. Axe, who I love the name of his site because there's no period in the URL. So it's Drake's like, I don't Are you Dr. Axe? Are you Drake's? That guy's site got clobbered multiple times. So like a weird rebound back in July 2019, the Maverick update was not a core update. And then boom, got killed again. That guy's such a scammer. I can say that here on this podcast because what he'll do is he'll like get like, you know, like somebody to like write the content there are, you know, Doctor, whatever, CPT, TWR, hashtag, pound sign, 3R21. Like some kind of like official sounding title. They write content. It might not be bad. It probably is, but it might not be bad. And he just got all the internal links going to his products, tons of pop-ups and banner ads all going to his products. And the only reason he's writing the damn content is like obvious. He just wants you to go buy his magical powders. Oh, man. Although I do miss the like olden day scams where 
Um, it was just like affiliate marketing was everywhere and people were like figuring out just how much they could get paid for like Bluehost affiliate marketing or whatever it was. I don't remember at the time. Go daddy. Hey, go daddy. Go daddy. But, uh, you know, the, the, the recent product review update, the guidelines, at least it wasn't part of the update this time around, but the guidelines saying, hey, you have to have more than one seller listed. Mm-hmm. It just kind of killed the like I was like. Unless you're paying attention, you just realize, wow, they just kind of killed affiliate marketing. They have to go through with this. Right. Yeah. Right? Or, or you like have to shove your, you know, other not You got to figure out a way down. to like make the link you want them to go to like really easy to access. And then the other link, like, like really tiny. It's like it's like 0. 0.6 <laughs> font. So it's there. Although they're looking at font size, font weight and uh, the what is that called? Where like how much it stands off the page contrast. Oh, Chrome is Chrome is actively calculating a contrast score on everything. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. So um, that's how they'll let, let you know that, you know, your contrast is too low in, in uh, Lighthouse reports. Oh, nice. I didn't know how to do that. That's cool. Yeah. So actually, when the title update was going live and everyone was trying to figure out like, oh, is it H1s that are appearing? Right, right, like, right. Well, I just did a bold text. And it's like, well, no. What if it's just they're looking at the styles and the contrast? You're mm. contrasting this text more. You're saying it's more important. So put everything in bold. Problem solved. That's what <laughs> Yeah, if we're all great, then none of us are great. Right. I think everything I write is great. <laughs> Every word is important for the user. Bold and all. Uh, so yeah, again, I have no idea how to get back to eat. No, I don't know either. <laughs> i mostly just this is a fun conversation about google updates now and how all of it's chaos and right. none of it matters we were trying to bring order it's okay wait wait so when you say it's a metric and not a classification eat going back to eat right what do you mean by that so it's a classification meaning they are not giving you a real number of like this website's a five they're just trying to say this fits in with the other websites that were scored as a five. So if you have ads all over your site, then it's going to assume that you're a a cruddy site because that's what all of the cruddy sites look like. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, if you do a ton of virtual virtue signaling on your site, like if you make it seem like you are just the most peer reviewed, trusted resource in the world, even if you're doing it for yourself, then you're going to look like the actual peer-reviewed trusted websites. Nice, nice. that's really smart. So basically um, what you're saying is you have two options. Either you align the format style and look and feel of your site to what's a really good quality site, or you somehow make the web really crappy at the same time so that the, so. the standard think- becomes crap. We need to all build PBNs that just look really bad so that way you look really good in comparison. Right. This is my um, takeaway no. from what you're saying. <laughs> no, it's to give real advice. I don't know if a lot of people have heard of the Trust Project. It's something yeah. that uh, journalists are trying to push mm-hmm. where they have what they call eight trust indicators. Um, I got to pull those up. So that would be uh, like you need to list who funds the site. What is the standards of ethics? Um, what happens if a journalist has ties to the topic covered? Right. So how do you handle a conflict of interest? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got to cite your work. You need to show what type of work it is. So is it an opinion and analysis and advertisement? So right there, that type of work is a classification problem. Right. So you need to make sure that your content is being classified as maybe an analysis instead of an advertisement. 
Correct. Um, and that, then, uh, yeah. No, no, you go. I'm sorry. You're, it's your mic. Oh, and then like, are you providing actionable feedback, diverse voices, things like that? Is it locally sourced? So they are trying to classify this. And then right on their homepage, it has a picture of Google and Bing and Facebook's logo and says, our external tech partners, Google, Facebook, Bing, all use the trust indicators in display and behind the scenes. Yep. Which that's kind of my, my part of my pet peeve about uh, content clusters. Because all right, I'll have a topical authority. I'll write all about the same topic, multiple ways and multiple regurgitations of it, blah, blah, blah. But if Google's profiling your site, so it not does it, doesn't only depend that you have a lot of content about the topic, but what kind of content do you have about the topic matters big time, right? Right. If, if you're gonna, if you're a product review site and you've got a ton of like technical analysis and you know blog posts and whatever, nothing to do with product reviews, like that's great, but that doesn't fit your profile. Yeah, you're sending mixed messages. Yeah, and when we're involved in machine learning. We need to be so blatantly clear that it's almost like disgusting because like a point, <laughs> like a human, a human would be like, yeah, of course, that's what that website is about. Why do they keep like slamming in my face? But when you like to show it to machine learning, the machine's like, I have no idea what I'm looking at, but it definitely looks like this good stuff. Right. <laughs> there should be like a cartoon character, like Google's machine learning, like in its thought process and thinking. As it goes <laughs> through websites. Fun cartoon. That would be amazing. Voiced by John Mueller. <laughs> yeah just like a robot crawler trying to figure out which link to visit next i wonder what i see here this doesn't seem to fit the profile this is crap <laughs> no I, i'm not trying to promote making bad sites or like cheating the system but we need to be like abundantly clear about what we expect which is why things like canonical tags exist it's because we just need to like label it for you hey this is the actual piece of content we need to care about or really do not visit this page. It's in my robots.txt and it has a no index tag. <laughs> and just in case you went through and crawled it anyway. Yeah, like really do not come here, please. Right. <laughs> I wonder what, like, on a page like that, I wonder what's there. Like, what, what do you, <laughs> like, how bad is it? Um, APIs, maybe. <laughs> That's fair. Right, where you're fair. like, where you're like, this data is not for you. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I was thinking way more creatively about this, but yeah, that's probably something like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry to bring the creativity down. No, that's okay. It's in my mind was going in places it probably shouldn't have gotten anyway. So thank you for saving me. <laughs> All right, so like that's let's uh we're, we're at the you know like around twenty minute mark where I know my audience is like, I'm going to leave now because I see what happens in my iTunes uh data. Um, what would you say like going forward? Like, where do you think like mom? Let's take mom. Everyone's talking about mom. How does are you mom sure you say- want your audience to stay? I feel like no, we're I figure now is a good time to offer something cool because like all those assholes who already left, like now you've missed it. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So mom, let's do mom. <laughs> How does mom change content going forward from an SEO point? Um, so they are. In natural language processing, it takes text and turns it into numbers. So that's that whole, how do we take the, you know, qualitative and turn it into quantitative so that way machines can figure out how to deal with it. And so they're doing that to everything. They're turning everything into a set of numbers now. So like location for maps, um, search queries, pages, uh, topics in the knowledge graph, everything is getting a number. And then that's all getting folded into num or mum. So that way, you know, 
they can all talk to each other. So when you make complex queries, like what's the weather today and where should I go hiking? It can look at the weather, the traffic, the locations right. around you, um, maybe some reviews and pull all of that together into, into some sort of data. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, if you want to, it's pulling apart a topic that's represented in the query, like the latent implications that are implied by the query that's redundant um, and, and parsing it out. Okay. It's like, what do you latently mean by this? Well, there's this is subsumed in this. That's subsumed in this. That's subsumed in this. You need to know about this. That's subsumed in this. <clears throat> I get past my cold. Um, it's almost like if you want to create content that aligns, you need to do the same thing. Right. You need to yeah. consider, like, predict, like, what's the the person searching for this coming to my website predictively fulfill their needs? Like, what are they going to need to know? So that sounds awesome. However, I don't know if you caught this. There was like a big Twitter thread. It ended up on Hacker News. Um, and it was just about some people criticizing how where the web is going, where, where Google search is going in particular, and wishing that they could get exact text matching back. <laughs> because okay, they were okay, like, why? I, because we're skilled Googlers at this point. We've been doing it for, you know, whatever, since the 90s. So yeah, that's and the so. Thing. So it's like, I type in exactly what I want and then it's getting layered through like 18 machine learning processes where it's like, but this is what you really want. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, but it's true, right? Because we're so, the, what Google can or can do conditions you to how to search. Right, and I, I've been Googling for a while. So right. I'm like, so, okay. Um, I'm conditioned, right. <laughs> so mom will basically screw us before our kids are gonna be great. I think so. Yeah, I think or maybe they're going to continue to try to push voice search, which I'm still not much of a believer in. I don't believe in voice um, search at all at this point, <laughs> only because like every year voice search will dominate this year. 2013 voice 2040 voice search like enough already. I ask Alexa what the weather's. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say her name. A bunch <laughs> of like robots are going off there right now. Go. But I'll, I'll ask like, you know, what's the weather today? And then I'll start getting like told about other apps that I can download. And I can't control the experience. It's a linear experience. I have to wait for her to finish her whole sentence. Oh, that's right. It's annoying. That's annoying. I don't use voice search devices partly for this reason. <laughs> that's really annoying. So I, I think it's really good in the desktop context where you have big, complex cert pages and they're still presenting like the map packs and stuff, but maybe they can layer some of that together better where they're like, here's map pack plus weather plus some images of like where you might be going. That's really cool. That's really cool. Ah, that sounds really interesting, actually. On that note, as my kids, I hear them screaming and pounding at my office door to get in here. I'm going to ask, where can people find you, Colt? Um, I'm on Twitter at Signor Colt. So that's an Italian spelling, S-I-G-N-O-R-C-O-L-T. Um, How exactly? That's probably the best place. I don't, I don't really like LinkedIn. I don't like LinkedIn either, but I, I, where, how can we find you on TikTok? Um, I, I've been thinking about doing TikTok. Did you know TikTok's better than Google now. It's the biggest yeah, website on the that. internet. Wow, the world is screwed. And and I think that's also something we could talk about is how we're more interested in discovery engines right now and why maybe Google Discover might become bigger. Yeah, that's really interesting also. Maybe for another follow-up conversation, we can definitely do that. Yeah. But until next time, <laughs> um, the SEO rant comes out weekly on Thursdays. Where can you find it? You found it already, but in case you're listening to your friend's car and don't know where to find it, you can find it at the SEORant.com, on Twitter, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on wherever. My kids are going crazy. Hey, you be quiet. Um, <laughs> I 
and wherever i'm gonna probably have to re-record this part um colt thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it and until next time thank you for having me this was awesome my pleasure so toodles until next time <laughs>